Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's Insight Assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Media Podcast Network. All right, it is Friday, April 15th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning here on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces and soon to be on the MMA Fighting Podcast Network. I am Mike Heck. Hope you're having a great week. It is Friday. If you have a long weekend ahead of you, enjoy it. And if you're an MMA fan and you want to spend your weekend watching MMA, you have a plethora of options. It is a pretty big weekend for mixed martial arts. Of course, we have Bellator 277 coming up later on today from the SAP Center in San Jose, California. Two title fights. Main event, the rematch for the Bellator featherweight title. Champion AJ McKee puts his title and his undefeated record on the line against the man with whom he took the title from last year, Patricio Pitbull. That's the main event. And probably the most compelling fight of the actual weekend, it's in the co-main event of that card. The finale of the Bellator light heavyweight Grand Prix. Champion Vadim Nemkov defends against Corey Anderson. The winner gets to take home the title, the trophy, and the million dollars. I love that fight. This is by far the the best fight of the weekend. I know McKee Pitbull is probably the biggest fight of the weekend. Nemkov Anderson is the best fight of the weekend. I'd say the bronze medalist is the main event of the UFC card. Vicente Luque versus Blomaham, which is a good fight. Stakes are high, but the two Bellator title fights are more intriguing and better fights, in my opinion. Than the UFC card, which is going on tomorrow. Not the greatest card in the world. I mean, I like it. There's some fun fights. Just we're coming off UFC 273. We're coming off just a trifecta of fights featuring big names and compelling storylines. Yeah, the main event is compelling here. There are some storylines you could seek out. There's some just good competitive matchups, but yeah, it's it's not a it's not a deep card. Let's just put it that way for the UFC. I'm trying to be as nice as possible, but the main event's a good one. 
But this is a free-for-all Friday on MMA Fighting's only morning show. So if you have a question, get the request in. I see a few lined up. We can talk about everything you want to talk about in the sport of mixed martial arts. We're going to go for about 30 to 40 minutes today. Because, again, if you missed the last couple shows, I'm technically on vacation. going to do some rollerblading, maybe go to the driving range in a little while. But uh, I didn't want to leave you guys hanging on a Friday morning. So Mike, I believe, was first. So we'll get Mike Lawson in here, and we'll get after this thing. Mike, good morning. Just make sure you're on mute. Mike. What's up, buddy? How you doing? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Nice. In the car. Didn't know if the signal was going to work. Heck yes, of a morning. That. Most definitely a heck of a morning, bro. I got. <laughs> What's going on? Man? I got a little bit of a bone to pick with you, man, if I must say so. I was listening. To with you. me? Yes, sir. I was listening to you yesterday, heck of an afternoon, while I was working the graveyard shift. And how can you be okay with Aljo going around parading like he mollywhopped Peter Yan? Come on, man. <laughs> Come on. Bro, he barely made the decision. At best, he had the tie, which nobody's going to give it to him. But come on, how could you be okay with him going around, picking fights with Big John, calling him all these names, going off calling Dana White, saying that he didn't agree with his decision, when he barely made it fast? Come on. All right, don't go anywhere, because I have have questions for you. Let's hear it. Who won the fight? Did Aljamain Sterling win? In the, if it you was, win the fight. Yes. The official decision. You can say however you want. That's semantics. That's semantics. The, did he win? Yes, sir. He, he won. Did he win? Now, heading into that fight, did you give him a chance to win? Did you think Yan was going to run him over? Me, personally, I thought it was going to be... I thought Yan was going to get the decision in the end, but I thought it was going to be a lot closer than what the better said it was going to be. All right, so I'll give you At that. At the end but of the day, all the hardcores knew that Jan was not going to walk over Aljo just like that. I mean, come on, the first round, like, it was pretty competitive until it wasn't. I, I mean, li- listen, you watch social media. We host a million shows. Every time we've talked about that fight, we've had our own panelists on the ranking show. <laughs> Two of them say that Piotr Jan was going to destroy Aljamain Sterling. That this fight was not going to be competitive for a second. And Aljo heard all of those things from everybody, from Big John and beyond. Because Big John hasn't had the kindest things to say about Aljamain Sterling over the years either. And what Aljamain Sterling did was he kept receipts. And he used those receipts after he won. So I, I don't feel bad for Big John at all. I actually agree with Aljamain Sterling. I don't, I, think, I don't think Big John's been the most respectful guy towards fighters. And I actually think there's, he makes a point when it comes to using names and tagging fighters for additional views i don't i don't think he's wrong i don't think he's wrong so i i have no issue i love the sterling tour i love it he's using receipts and he's using them to his advantage now is he going a little a little overboard is he taking it a little too far perhaps but when you go through what this guy has gone through for the last year plus everybody doubting you everyone saying you're gonna lose and then you go out there and win whether it's a close decision or not you got the right to go on this tour, and he's doing it, and I love every second of it, Mike. I love it all. I love it. All right, all right, all right. I'll, you know what? Still, <laughs> I don't I don't agree with it just because, I mean, it, it was just – he snuck by that. You know, I mean, a win's a win at the end of the day, but damn, dude, he's acting like he – I think it's a clear win for Sterling. Oh! I thought it was a clear win for Sterling. It should have been a – That was a clear win. A clear win, not even at the end of uh, uh, what 
most people or, or some people I should say are starting to say where you know it was a tie even though at the end of the day he walks away with a belt because even if it would have been a tie you know that that's how the rules are but you know it still it would have been on the scorecard given that he had you know the 10-8 round and given that the first round went to Piotr um I thought Sterling won the first round Go back and watch it again. Yes. Uh, Go back and watch it again. I've, watch it twice. I've heard that. Watch it twice. I've heard that. And, it, it, you know, I, how many strikes, though, did he pass by and, and did he control? Because I've heard how you say, listen with the with the volume off and listen to it again. And I've, I've done both. And I'm still, I'm, it's that first round again. I think it's a coin flip. I think you can, you know, either catch it on either side of it. But. I hear you. I mean, listen, I mean, it's judging is judging. I thought. I mean, Jan, I thought Jan did literally nothing in that first round. He just marched forward, threw some shots, didn't really land all that much. And the guy who did land was Sterling. They were kicks. They weren't like big time punches to the face. But Points. if we're adding up the actual damage in the round, Sterling actually did stuff. So he won the round, in my opinion. But it's close. Listen, if it's tough to see. Like, unless you have a close zoom in of every shot that's thrown, and that's very difficult to find. It's it's tough. I mean, listen, if you want to score the run for Jan, that's fine, but I hear you. And that's my point. Like, it, with with such controversy, Aljo's walking away and talking, like, wholeheartedly, like he just stomped all over Piotr. And he should. Good for him. <laughs> it's right. gonna be listen, now he's gonna put a he's gotta put a finish line on it. He can't do this for the next year and a half. True, yeah. Take another few days, take another few days, live it up, and then take some time away from MMA, get off social media, enjoy some time with the loved ones, and then we'll see you in the fall when you defend your title. Mike spirited debate, I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you. See? Mike in the car. This is what I when I thought about the show, this is exactly what I thought about. All right, we're going to try this, all right? We're going to try this. We have failed like six consecutive episodes, but maybe we can get Dana Spite in here. Dana? Dana Spite? Do we actually get you? Guess not. Man, every show. I'm trying. I'm trying. Tristan Gordet, I know, will be there. Tristan, what's up, buddy? Hey, what's up? What's going on, Mike? Um, can you can you How hear you me? Doing? Yes, sir. Yeah. All right. So I want to talk about um, UFC Vegas Fifty One that's coming up on Saturday. There's two questions that I have. Sure. All right. So let's look at. Um, I want your outlook about Pat Sabatina. He's fighting TJ Laramie on this card. Um, I'm really high on him. Um, you know, he's going for his fourth straight win here. I just want to know your outlook on where you see him, you know, as a prospect um, in that featherweight division, you know, what his uh, trajectory is um, in in that division as a prospect. And then my second question is uh, Miguel Baeza. Um, He's fighting, I guess, Andre Filo. I I don't know if I'm I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Fialo, yeah. Um, You know, he's coming off back-to-back losses from Chaos Williams as well as um, Santiago Mazanibio. I saw him on the uh, press conference, uh, I guess, yesterday. He was talking about um, he got a sports psychology coach to mentally, you know, um, you know, help him. Uh, he also said, you know, he felt that he should have won those fights between, uh, you know, with Mazanibio and Chaos. Kind of kind of agree with him, I think, because the thing is that I think he did made errors. 
because I mean, I think he's really, really good. You know, I'm not, I'm not giving up on him. So, you know, he's expecting to really um, do some damage on Saturday and get back on track. So want your thoughts on him as well, uh, heading into this car. Um, I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. All right. Thank you, buddy. All right. The great Tristan Gordat. Pat Sabatini's good, man. He's good. He's actually exceeded my expectations in a big way. He's, he's a very solid hand. I mean, has his UFC re- – I mean, he's actually he's pretty good. Tristan Connolly is, is a decent win. Jam- submitting Jamal Emmers, who I, I've been pretty high on for a while. Tucker Lutz is a really good win. I mean, he's beating these prospects pretty well. Now, do I think this guy will be running up the top 15 and fighting for a title in the next few years? No. Uh, do I think he dis- – he dominates the TJ Laramies of the world. Yeah, I think he'll go out there and win and get probably get a, a finish in the first seven minutes of the fight. He's a massive favorite. He's one of the biggest favorites on the card, minus 510 against TJ Laramie. But after this, it's it's probably time to give him a little bit more of a step up. I, I do, and it's not like he's just running through cans right now. He's beating good guys. The Tristan Connolly win is, is actually is a really good win. Remember what happened with Tristan Connolly when he came into the UFC? What a splash that guy made. And now he's kind of taking a little bit of a step back with this Laramie fight. But Laramie's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder too. But I think from here, we have to start looking at the Bruce Leroy's, the Julian Arosas, the Nate Landwehrs of the world. Like these are the types of fights that maybe a Billy Q, like he goes out there and beats CJ Laramie. These are the kinds of fights that 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 the UFC should probably be looking at next because – That'll be 3-0 in the UFC, 4-0 in the UFC with the win. He'll have six straight wins. We got to step up, give him a step up, and see if this guy's for real, for real. I think he's he's a solid hand. I don't know if he's going to be a top 10 guy, but we don't know the answer to those questions until he actually gets in there and fights those guys. For Miguel Baeza, I mean, this guy came in with a lot of hype coming off the Contender Series. He came in, obviously... He it looks good coming off the bus, if we're being honest. Goes out there, gets a decision win against Victor Reyna. I think a lot of people wanted him to go out there and just just knock him silly. But then he comes into the UFC, gets a gets a knockout win in the second round against Hector Aldana, knocks out Matt Brown with a vicious left hook in May of 2020. And that was kind of the one that got him on the map. They're like, oh damn, like this dude just knocked out Matt Brown. I know Matt Brown isn't really in the prime of his career anymore, but he's still an exciting guy and he's still a name. And then he submits Takashi Sato. We're like, okay, this guy has got some depth to his game. He could do a lot of different things. So they give him the step up with, with Santiago Ponzinibbio, which is one of the more underappreciated fights of 2021. That was a really good one. That was a top five fight of the year fight, in my opinion. And then he goes in there with, with chaos Williams, who's just a, a very dangerous guy. So yeah, he said he's had a tough road. If we're comparing roads between Pat Sabatini and Miguel Baeza, both guys have had interesting paths, have taken in, have been on interesting roads since coming into the UFC. But Baeza's had the tougher road. I mean, Matt Brown's second fight, Sato third fight, then you're fighting a fringe top 15 guy in Ponzinibbio, then you're fighting Chaos Williams. I mean, he's had a, a, a crazy road. Since getting in there. And this is another really tough fight with Andre Fialo, who is no joke himself. I'm curious what the betting line is on this fight. I would assume, I wonder, I don't know if Baez a minus 170. Sheesh. 
We'll see. Fiala's a live dog. I'll, I'll put it that way. Let's get Scott McCrae in here. I know he's been waiting. Scott, what's hey, up, morning, buddy? I'm doing, How are we doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm going to take the low-hanging fruit and try to get your pick on Nimkov Anderson. And um, just as a bonus question, I want to ask you, have you played Harbor Town since you've been in your new uh, place? And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Uh, I assume I've not played Harbor Town. Coincidentally enough, I was we took a boat ride on Tuesday. Yeah, it was Tuesday. We took a boat ride on Tuesday. We took like a little dolphin tour on Hilton Head Island. And uh, our captain took us out to where the RBC heritage is taking place. So he brought us out to the 18th hole. And normally the official kickoff of tournament week they launch a, they basically fire off a cannon off the 18th fringe or fairway towards, towards the Harbor. And we're sitting there, we're looking for dolphins and I'm like, wow, there's where the heritage taking place. And then I'm looking down and I see a dolphin swimming in their hair. Kaboom. And they fire off the frigging cannon. And it like almost gave me a heart attack. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool, but I wish I knew who was coming. Uh, but I didn't. And we're going to try to head over there and maybe have some lunch, but Unless you have media credentials and things like that, you can't get in there. And my wife's like, well, you're media. And I, I wanted to just give her a hug right there, but uh, we couldn't get in. But I would love to play that course. It's like 300 bucks a round. So that's going to have to be like a special moment in my career. Like I get voted to like vice president of MMA media and get like a hefty pay raise. And then maybe my wife would be like, all right, you can go play. And plus, like, I can't justify spending $300 playing a round of golf when I'm not the greatest golfer. Uh, in terms of the, the co-main events tonight at Bellator 277, I'm leaning Vadim Nemkov. I think this guy is super good. He might be the best light heavyweight in the world. I have him, I think he had him number four right now. And if he wins this fight, I'm probably bumping him to number two in my personal rankings. Corey Anderson is probably going to be in the same boat. This is a great fight. This is the best fight of the weekend, and it's not even close. But I'm leaning Vadim Nemkov. I think this guy's the real deal. I think he just needs to weather the storm. If he can get out of the first couple rounds, I think he could win this fight. But I, I will leave. I will lean Vadim Nemkov. I think top to bottom, skill for skill, he's the better fighter. But Corey Anderson's just on a tear right now, and sometimes that momentum can carry you in all sorts of ways. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Let's bring in Clearest Values on a free-for-all Friday. Clearest Values, good morning. How you doing, Mike? Good morning. Good morning. So I've got two small questions for you. The first one I've got is why does the UFC clearly not like Aljo so much? And it's not like it was the Jan thing to begin with, because I go back to the Sanhagen uh, Aljo fight and 
that wasn't for the belt, which I thought was a little crazy. And then the next thing is I'd love to hear who you think is the clear number two organization. For me, I kind of am leaning PFL. I know they've been on for a while, but I think as far as production and star value, I think they're, they've surpassed Bellator at this point. Uh, so I, I've heard this a lot, clears values. So I want to get your response on this. And I know this, a lot of this has stemmed from Dana saying that he thought the judges screwed up and, and scored it for Sterling over Jan. And then sort of led to like a back and forth between the guys. What is it that sticks out to you that makes you think the UFC is not in the Aljamain Sterling business? Is there anything that was said in the past that maybe I missed? Like, I know they would prefer probably Jan because he's just more the more interesting guy, I guess. And he's, I don't know. I, I mean, Sterling won the fight. He's 2-0 and in the official record books against Piotr Jan. But I think a lot of people were very high on Jan. Maybe he could be one of the pound-for-pound pound greats, at least right now, top five guy. Uh, but Sterling went out there and beat him. So, like, what it what have you seen that makes you think that the UFC doesn't want to be in the Sterling business or is not a big fan of his? So, for me, I think it was how quickly Dana Dana was saying that Jan won. I think he was quick, and I think he was immediate with it. The next thing is I've never really seen them promote him as an athlete rather than what happened during that Jan fight, it always just kind of seemed like they were promoting, okay, well, he got the knee. All right, now it's time for Jan to officially win and not, all right, he got the knee. Now it's time for Sterling to get revenge. I always kind of felt like the storyline was very clear where it was Jan's redemption moment, not Sterling's revenge. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I can see where you're coming from there. What, what I'm going to be looking forward to is how they build his next fight. Is it just going to be, are we going to go back and look at the knee 50 times in a package? Uh, I don't know. And what was your other question, by the way? Well, I, I would just love to hear how you would rank the next major organizations between oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. one PFL and Bellator. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this victory tour and Aljo talking about Data White is probably not going to get him a lot of fans in the UFC front office, but I don't care. And he shouldn't either. If he wasn't, he must not feel that he's in the great graces of the UFC anyway. So lean into that shit. <laughs> lean into it. Um, in terms of, I mean, Bellator, in my opinion, is still number two. But where they were maybe a year ago or two years ago to where they are now, I mean, they are clinging to that number two spot. They, are, they went from bare hands and strong back muscles to – we got to put some gloves on with super glue to hang on to this spot because PFL is coming. The problem with both organizations, really, in my mind, are both broadcasts are horrible. They're both tough watches. They really are. Like the UFC broadcast, like you get through it sometimes. Like maybe Rogan will just have an off night. But still, at the same time, we can get over that because he's Joe Rogan and he's a voice that's synonymous with the brand. And we could deal with that. And sometimes he gets partnered up with the maybe him and DC get a little too silly, and maybe Joe doesn't do all his research. And that's like the biggest complaint we have. And if I'm a sports organization, I'm cool with that. Like if that's the worst complaint our, our product gets in terms of broadcast, cool. We're good with that. Man, the Bellator broadcast is a tough watch. It just is. I love more Ronaldo. He's a G. 
I could deal with him. Big John is a rough listen, especially like early and often. I think John's a, a good color commentator, but he just needs to be a color commentator. I, and it's not even John's fault. I don't really blame John for this because John's put in this position. What's he going to do? Say no. Hey, John, I want you to do the color work. Hey, John, I want you to do the post-fight interviews. Hey, John, I want you to do the voiceovers. Hey, John, I want you to host the the press conference show. I, hey, John, I want you to do all this. Like They're giving John all of these jobs, and he's doing them to the best of his ability, but he's just not great at a lot of them. And it's, again, what's he going to do? Say no? I don't want your extra money for all these jobs you're giving me? And then they go back to the to the desk, and you have – I think the best thing they've done is they brought Amanda Gear in from CBS Sports to run the desk. I think she's done a fantastic job doing that. I like her personality. She came into MMA with – it's not an easy sport to get into, especially as a woman getting on television. And she jumped right in there, and she was comfortable with herself. She did a great job right away. The problem is she's with Josh Thompson, and that dude can bring down a broadcast. He just can. I'm not trying to be a jerk, but like when we have an hour and a half of Josh Thompson on a broadcast, it's way too much. It's just way too much Josh Thompson. So it just kills it. And sometimes these prelims go so fast that we have to go to the desk for like 45 minutes. I'm like, good grief, man. It's too much. It's just too much Josh Thompson. Too much. Go to, go to him for a little bit. Like, go to the desk for Josh for a little bit. Maybe Josh is like the backstage guy. We bring him in for like a quick hit interview with the fighter. Perfect. You get Josh for short spurts. Good to go. PFL is just like, God, you want to watch the PFL and you want to get into it and they build these cards and they're trying to build these stars. But then you have to spend like 17 hours to watch a PFL card. It's so bad. Like, and the fights are fine, but like, we're waiting 90 minutes between fights. And then we're like, okay, here's the Challenger series. There's four fights in the Challenger series. So this can't be too bad. We'll be here for an hour and a half max. And the Challenger series card was like four hours. I mean, I'm exaggerating. But it's just their builds, the the way the, these broadcasts flow for the PFL, it's just awful. It's just awful. We got to flow these a little bit better. I don't want to be spending 18 hours on a Wednesday night watching the PFL. I don't. I don't. I just want to go in there, watch my fights, and go to bed. It's Wednesday night. I already have to spend seven hours watching the UFC on Saturday, which is, I'm not complaining about, but now you're asking fans to spend, like, the equivalent of, like, two and a half days to watch the PFL Bellator the UFC in one week. Come on now. We got to get better than that. But right now, if we're, if we're talking organizations, it's UFC, Bellator by a thread, PFLs are coming and one championships on its way up as well. And, I mean, you can make arguments for it. It just depends on where you're at in the world. KSW is, is a huge organization and doesn't get enough credit here in the United States. But KSW is a great organization. I really like them too. All right, let's go to Christopher. Christopher, good morning, my man. How you doing, Mike? Wonderful. Okay, my first question is um, I wanted to talk about the greatness of Big John McCarthy on the mic. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just fucking with you. Um, on, on the topic of um, organizations, I'm actually happy that that question came up because I was I was coming in here actually to shine uh, light on Ryzen 35 this weekend. Um, for the first time in two years, Ryzen are finally allowing foreign fighters to travel to the country. 
So you have um, Spike Carlisle making his debut for the organization. You've also got Johnny Case fighting for the lightweight belt against Satoshi Sozo, who I think is probably MMA's best kept secret. Um, I, I guess what, what I wanted to ask you is, where do you rank Ryzen among everything? Obviously, it's not at the size of like a Bellator or anything like that. Um, and I guess my other question is, will you be watching Ryzen 35? Lastly, last thing, um, shout out to Katie Perez as well, Invicta Atomweight um, fighter who's in our Twitter spaces right now. Oh, what's up? That's what we like to hear. Thank you, Christopher. Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, Ryzen rules. I, Ryzen is just special, man. Like, and Ryzen does it perfectly. They don't go out and, and host two or three events a month. They don't go out there and, you know, they, they might put on like five, six events a year. And they're all special in their own way. And they mix things up. Their posters are freaking awesome. They do just a, such a good job of making you miss them. And then they they come back right when you miss them at their peak. And then they come back with a fire card. I said I thought Corey Anderson versus... Vadim Nemkov was by far the most intriguing fight of the weekend. I might be wrong about that. I think DeSouza, Johnny Case might be in that discussion as well, but no one's talking about it. It's a good card. I like the Hamasaki-Izawa fight. Izawa's a 5-0. and Could she take on and defeat someone like Hamasaki? She's a really interesting story right now. So I'm, I'm curious to see. Will I be watching? Probably not. Will I watch maybe like a couple days later? Probably Sunday's my, my kid's birthday. It's Easter. There's a lot going on. I'll still be sort of on vacation. Will I go back and watch it? Will I make it appointment viewing? Of course. Uh, will I watch it live? Probably not. Uh, but that's no knock on Ryzen. Just I'm not even, I'm probably not even watching the UFC card on Saturday. Uh, I'll probably sneak, sneak glimpses of Bellator today just because I'll still be in Florida and my family will probably be asleep by the time that the big fights happen. Uh, but I don't even think I'll be watching the UFC this weekend, if we're being honest. But uh, Ryzen's great, big fan, and uh, this is a good card. This is a, a very interesting card. I love what they're doing. Their New Year's their New Year's Eve cards are appointment viewing. You look forward to it. It's like MMA's version of WrestleMania, and I love it. Let's get Zach. Uh, let's get Zach Leff. In here, we're going to go for probably for about 10 15 more minutes. Zach, what's up, man? What's up, Mike? Can you hear me? Okay, yes, so I got uh, two questions. First one is Do you think Aljamain Sterling could have a similar type of early title run to Volkanovsky, where people are kind of doubting him a little early on, might have not won the fights, kind of won the fights, but then beats some names that are good in the division, especially because Bantamweight's pretty deep, and uh, some people start to respect him a little more if they don't have respect for him now? And then the second question would be, uh, with UFC 274 coming up and Justin Gaethje getting this title shot, I've always been curious about why some guys can get a title shot after, let's say, just one win after a loss, let's say, in a title fight like he did or Cody Garbrandt versus a guy like a Robert Whitaker who I'm a big fan of who he he was a, you know, he won his title and then he lost Izzy and not the best fashion the first time, but he had to fight three killers to get back to that, so... Uh, I was just curious about your opinion about why you think the UFC determines one guy for another or what your opinion with what determines that, I guess, overall. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, the Aljo question, I don't know. I mean, it's it's very possible. I think 
Aljo's one of those y'all must have forgot kind of fighters where he just goes in and gets these massive wins and has tremendous performances. Like people forget the Corey Sandhagen performance. They remember Jan versus Sandhagen because it was such a compelling fight. And even though Jan, I thought Jan won four of the five rounds, it was still, it was like a game of inches. Like that fight was, was absolutely the, the game of inches. But then Aljo fights Sandhagen and just runs him over and submits him in the first round. Like, people forget about that. Aljo's real good. He's beat real fighters along the way. Like, this guy's resume is incredible. He's got a really good resume. Sometimes the personality rubs people the wrong way. But like I said, I love everything he's doing right now. I love it. Get after it. Use those receipts. Call them all out. Everybody. Do it. But now, like, after you're doing this and going on this tour, you got the win over Jan. Now what? He goes out there and beats C.J. Dillashaw, goes out there and beats Jose Aldo. If Aljamain Sterling goes out and beats Jose Aldo, no one should have anything bad to say about that guy at all. I don't want to hear it. The Aljo slander will no longer be tolerated if he goes out there and beats Jose Aldo, in my opinion. I think he has a good chance of beating T.J. Dillashaw, for being honest. I thought T.J. lost the Corey Sanhagen fight. He got the nod, might find himself into a title shot. But the fight I want to see at 135 right now is Aldo versus Dillashaw. Because it seems like Sterling wants to take a little time off, wants to take a couple, you know, fight in the fall, maybe November, maybe a little sooner than that. But take your time. Let's let Dillashaw and Aldo battle it out, five-rounder, pay those men, give them a bunch of money, let them get after it, and then we'll see what happens. Winner gets the title shot, and then Aljo, whoever he beats, if he if he does win, I mean, deserves a, a lot of respect. So, good on him. Uh, what was the other question? Oh, the Justin Gaethje question. Why is Gaethje getting a title shot? It's because he's Justin freaking Gaethje. Everybody wants to watch Justin Gaethje fight. Justin Gaethje won a round against Habib Nurmagomedov. How many people have been able to say that? I didn't think he won that first round. I mean, you could make the argument that he did, but two of the judges... When he fought Habib, Gaethje won that round. And I think him and Connor are the only ones who could say that. So I just think Gaethje is just pure chaos and people love chaos. And he is like the definition of chaos. He's the definition of like people who don't know what MMA is. Like they've only watched one UFC card in their lives and they're like, okay, I want to watch more. You show them Justin Gaethje fights. You show them who Justin Gaethje is as a competitor. And you'll be like, all right, I'll watch that guy. So I think, you know, him and Chandler coming off that crazy fight at 268. Gaethje and Oliveira, even if Gaethje lost like four fights in a row and then beat Chandler and then they gave him a title fight, just think about the matchup stylistically between Gaethje and Oliveira. It's fascinating. And it's a fight we haven't seen before. It's a fresh matchup. And I can't wait for it. I can't wait. The closer we get to May 14th or whatever that card's happening, I mean, this show's going to be, the energy level on this particular program is going to be off the charts. I think it's off the charts anyways, but it's really going to be off the charts. All right, we'll take a couple more. We'll get Saul H. Saul H., what's up? What's happening? Thank you for working on your vacation. Truly appreciate you. Second question I got for you is, Vicente Luque versus Bilal Muhammad. What happens to the winner? What's their rankings? What does this fight actually mean? Because I haven't heard too many people talk about it this week. What are the implications for the winner? 
It's a good question, my man. Uh, thank you, Saul H. I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, so this fight is happening on Saturday. It's flying under the radar in a big way. We got Vicente Luque, who has could be very you might I don't know if he's in the Justin Gaethje class in terms of chaos, but he's very he's very close. He's probably like the next guy in. He's probably pledging for that fraternity. I mean, look at this what this guy's done. Look at what this guy's done. Let's just go for the last let's go since October 2017. Submits Nico Price. Crazy fight. Knocks out Chad the Priest. First round. Knocks out Jalen Turner, who, I mean, this is at 170, but at the time, I mean, we look at what Jalen Turner has become. That knockout ages very well. Knocks out Brian Barberina in one of the craziest fights you will ever see in February of 2019. Knocks out Derek Krantz in the first round. Gets a split decision win over Mike Perry in another one of the craziest fights you'll ever see. Loses to Wonderboy Thompson. I was there for that one. Nico Price beats him, stops him. Randy Brown stops him. Tyron Woodley stops him. Michael Chiesa stops him. Vicente Luque is one of the more underappreciated guys, not by the fans. I think the fans get what we have. I think we all understand what we have with Vicente Luque. But with the UFC, he's just – if Vicente Luque was a was a lightweight or a middleweight, he would have already fought for the title. But he just happens to be in this division with Usman and Covington, and now you got Hamzat, and now you got Gilbert Burns, who's a teammate of Vicente Luque, and they're not going to fight each other. So that kind of creates a little bit of – I don't know what's, what's the right word I'm looking for here, but creates a little bit of a bump because if Vicente Luque fought Gilbert Burns and – and one, he's probably fighting for the title, but those guys are just not going to fight each other. So that's a little bit of a roadblock in his path. Blah Muhammad is on a great run right now. He's won six in a row. He's coming off a dominant win over Wonderboy. Let's see what he's done. Uh, look at that. I mean, his UFC run's been really impressive. I mean, since the since he got knocked out by Luke A at UFC 205. Decision, Randy Brown. Jordan Meehan, which is a great win at the time. Decision. Tim Mean, split decision. Chance for encounter, decision. Loses to Jeff Neal. Decision over Curtis Millinder, submits Takashi Sato, beats Lyman Good, beats Diego Lima. The Leon Edwards fight happens. Damian Maya, Steven Thompson. Pretty close resumes. I think Lucas is just a little bit better because he's getting finishes over these guys. But I think in terms of implications and stakes for this fight, I don't think either of these guys are getting a title fight. I don't think – at best, at best, these guys are fighting for the Hamza fight. Because the UFC wants Hamzat versus Colby. If Colby's just like, nah, no thanks. I'm not going to fight this dude right now. Or if Hamzat's like, nah, I don't want to fight this guy. Maybe the winner gets that fight. Maybe the winner. If, if Luke wins, his best bet is the Hamzat fight. Maybe he gets Colby. For Muhammad, I think his best bet's the Gilbert Burns fight. I mean, maybe, maybe he gets Hamzat. But neither of these guys are fighting for the title. Neither of these guys are getting a Colby fight. Hamzat, possibly, because Hamzat's probably going to have to get another win before he gets a title shot. And I think you could do that against either of these guys. You could do it against Colby. You could do it with Luke. You could do it with Muhammad. Uh, either of these guys would fit the bill. So that's probably the best bet. But I would say, I'd say Luke probably has a better chance of getting. Luke's probably like a step ahead. Like a win for Luke Gay probably means more when it comes to the title discussion. 
But I'd like to see if Luke wins and he, they throw him in there with Usman or something. Let's say like Leon Edwards can't make it to whenever that fight happens and they need a backup. Luke would be my first call if he beats Bilal Muhammad. 100%. Um, but I like the fight. The stakes are there. It's just, I think it's more of just these guys are kind of fighting to stay where they're at right now. And it's maybe that's not fair of me to say, but that's pretty much where we're at right now just because of the Hamzat train just trucking through and, you know, Gilbert Burns' stock just just rose tremendously after that fight. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Now, you got to cut a promo. Before I get to Ahid, I'm about to bring him in. If you're Bilal Muhammad, I will say this, because I thought this was a huge misstep on his part. Bilal Muhammad, after his win over Stephen Thompson, that was the perfect opportunity, because he went on the media tour after and said, I want to fight Hamzat. But if he took that opportunity... In December, after he just rolled through Wonder Boy and said, Hamzat, you've taken everything I work for, mofo. I'm going to fight your ass next. If he just focused all that attention on Hamzat in that post-fight interview, he probably would have got that fight. And who knows where he would be? Maybe he would he would have been the guy. But instead, he overshot, sh- shot for Usman when he had negative 7% chance of getting that fight. And then he went on the media tour after and called out Hamzat. If you're below Muhammad, you go out there and you beat Vicente Luque, the first name that comes out of your mouth better be Hamza Shemaya. Like whoever's holding that microphone about to ask you a question, you rip that microphone out of his hand. Rip it out of his hand. Hey, DC, give me that mic. Get out of here. And then you just cut a promo on Hamza. That's the best thing he could do. Other than that, he might get Gilbert Burns. Maybe he sneaks his way into a Hamza fight. But it's all about Bilal, not just in the cage, but afterwards when he has the microphone in his hand. Ahid, you're, you are alive, my man. How are you? Hello, Mike. How's it going? What's up, buddy? All right. So a couple points. Firstly, like we're talking about organizations. Uh, for me, it's, it's UFC, then it's one championship easily. Like if UFC is 1A, one championship is 1B, without a doubt, not just because of MMA, but because of the Muay Thai, the kickboxing, and now they've got submission grappling. They're getting the best people, um, like Gordon Ryan, Mikey Musumeki, like as in a Muay Thai, there's just names upon names that I can't, Liam Harrison, um, and then like kickboxing, there's like Georgia Petrosian, Superbond, a submission grappling, like, uh, yeah, Gordon Ryan, like Mikey Musumeki, like, uh, anyway, so... One championship for me is 1B. Uh, in terms of Justin Gaethje, he, like, doesn't... Um, I agree with someone else. He doesn't deserve that title shot. I think he beats Charles Oliveira, but he doesn't... He can knock Charles Oliveira out, but he doesn't deserve that title shot, especially because, like, he already had one, and he, like, he lost. And it, it's just, like... And then you look at his resume, okay? He beat Michael Johnson. He already got a main event, which he deserved because of his past history. It's like, all right, can we give you Eddie Alves, Dustin Poirier? You lose both. Then he's talking about retiring. And then it's like he beats Edson Barboza, but he poked him in the eye just before. He beat Cowboy Cerrone, who like was a bit like an aging Cowboy Cerrone. But it's all good because he beat James Vick. And then afterwards, he beat Tony and put on that clinic. Beautiful, brilliant. All right, that's what got you your title shot. You lost. Like, and, and then it's like, oh, but he fought for the title. It was against Habib. But, but then that, that's silly. Like, let's like, oh, giving Dustin an immediate title shot. Or, uh, Connor, just like, that, it doesn't work like that. And then like, he beats Michael Chandler. But we've got someone like Islam Makachev who has put the work in, who absolutely, like, that's a more interesting, like, stylistic matchup to me. Like, the top pressure of Sambo and wrestling versus the bottom 
game of Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's better. That's better for me. Um, but and, and like I feel Justin's a bit of a hypocrite talking about like because there was talk of Connor getting the title shot, and Justin's like, oh, I'm gonna throw a dolly, and, and like Connor's so entitled. I thought that was an interesting show of hypocrisy because, like, as in like you're you're a bit entitled, like you're getting this title shot after one win. Markachev has had seven, so that's a bit um, more maybe I don't know, but like so that's a bit weird. But anyway, so that's uh, I've got two more points. The set talking about hypocrisy. Man, like I just saw the pound for pound rankings, and Colby Covington is still not on there, and it's pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic. You've got Dustin still there, and and you've got like his fanboy saying, "Oh, um, you know, Dustin has a better resume at one fifty. Like how, like how much are we gonna lean on this? You lean, you lean on this before his title shot, and people are okay, fine, that's, that's all right, we get it. But then he lost, and Colby won against Masvidal, and it's still like, oh, Colby, you know, it's the same things. Like Colby hasn't beat ranked guys. Like that, that's not true. Like Masvidal was ranked at the time. Why is it that Vincente Luque gets more credit? for beating Tyron Woodley than Colby Covington does? Why is it that Gilbert Burns gets credit and it's like, oh, he's one of the best in the world. Um, but then a couple months later, Colby does the same thing, finishes him, nada. It, it's it's so crazy to me. It's, it's the hypocrisy against Colby that it's very clear to see that like there's a dislike of Colby that sways people's actions. Uh, and it's on everything. Like, bruv, even the attack on Masvidal, I didn't get to comment on this on any, th- like, any platform. I'm gonna comment now. People are talking about, oh, Masvidal's about that life. Kobe talked about his kids. Kobe never said anything about Masvidal's kids. He talked about Masvidal's ability as a father, which, by the way, Justin Gaethje, word for word, and I don't want anyone to challenge me on this because I know he said it. Word for word, Justin Gaethje said the same thing about Conor McGregor. He said he was a shit dad at the end of 2019, 2020, when Conor attacked someone at a pub. Justin Gaethje said the same thing. No one said a thing to Justin Gaethje. Crickets. Only Conor was pissed. Conor was like, I'm going to kill you apart from that no one actually the media never said anything so it's very and and then not only that like masvidal concealed his identity attacked colby from the side you know and everyone's like well colby kind of deserved it masvidal's about that street life but he what life he just like uh, sneak attacked someone how is that any different to and i really hesitate to use this example but foul vake this for those who don't know the city kickboxing guy uh the attacker just got charged with a bullshit sentence and it's like everyone's disgusted by that, mainly because of the cowardly nature of the attack. It's so like it's like me getting a mask and attacking a UFC fighter. That's what Masvidal did. It's it's not different. And it's like, but for some reason, Masvidal's about that life. But we like uh, are horrified that the foul vacuum attack. It's silly. And like my last point, and I I don't care if I get banned from it, but I've got to make it. Like I find it. We're talking about hypocrisy, media hypocrisy. It's so cute. How UFC 272, uh, ESPN goes out of their way to give attention to like Marina Moroz and uh, like as in obviously for those who don't know Ukrainian woman who's obviously like she's suffering a lot of trauma because of the Russian invasion, which is fine. Like fine, give her attention. Like give her give that attention, but keep that same energy. It's funny, right? Like, like she is a woman who's on the undercut. All respect, good fighter. Like again, deserves the attention. Bilal Muhammad. Uh, a main event, like he's a main event. I guarantee you, he's like Mark Ray Mundy is not going out of his way to interview Bilal uh, on the like uh, 
like a, an American Palestinian Muslim man who's like being whose home is being attacked by like a vile Israeli Zionist. He's not getting attention. Keep that same energy. Like, that's the thing. Like, what what is this? Don't mix politics in with sport. That's not what it is. It's don't mix politics within with sport unless it's the specific narratives by Western media to make themselves feel better about themselves. It's pathetic. And no, I, I've got to say it's just so sad. Like as in whatever it is, keep that same energy. Either you don't cover it at all because you want people to and you let fighters talk about what they want to talk talk about in the interviews um that's fine but if you're going to go out your way again keep that same energy for Bilal. Bilal didn't even get a post-fight interview back in uc 263 uh, he didn't get that marina moreau's treatment and it, it, it's sad it's so sad it's, it's the hypocrisy is pathetic and yeah you're like yeah f- mma media didn't cover anything fuck them that i don't care like i've got to pull it point it out those are my four points Wow. Uh, a lot, a lot to unpack there. Um, so, I mean, let me, let me just give my, my piece on the Bilal thing. Uh, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I will say personally, I've, and it's, it's not, and, and, and I've been accused of this throughout my career of like taking sides so that I could get interviews with a certain manager's fighters which is the biggest bunch of horse shit I've ever heard in my entire life. But I will tell you this, the buildup to the Bilal Muhammad fight when he fought Vicente Luque the first time, whoever was managing him at the time, no one knew who Bilal Muhammad was. I had been interviewing Bilal Muhammad probably two years prior to that UFC 205 fight. Okay. So I did a weekly interview early in my career with Bilal Muhammad, just like, all right, Five, the last five weeks of his training camp, we did the podcast that I was hosting. We did a weekly show with Bilal Muhammad, and we just did interviews with him every week about how the week has gone, like built him up. But now I can't, now I can't talk to him for some reason. Now I, I, I couldn't get an interview with Bilal Muhammad. I actually got denied interviews with Bilal Muhammad when I was, even when I was with MMA fighting, which I thought was like, what? Are you kidding me? And yeah, it just got to that point. It got to the point where I don't interview any of their fighters anymore, unless it's not coming from them. Like the last time I interviewed Gilbert Burns, it wasn't because I interviewed, it's not because I reached out to to his management team. It's because his sponsor reached out to me. And that was the only time I can interview these people's fighters. It got to the point where I reached out to their PR rep and I said, take me off your list because I'm not, if, if I'm getting denied interviews with Bilal Muhammad and Aaron Pico, then I don't want to interview with anybody. Like, I'm trying to help. Like, I'm trying to, like, have conversations with these fighters, trying to give them different things to talk about, and you're just straight up denying me. And that's fine. Maybe, like, maybe they just don't want them to talk about, like, real things. You know? It's just look at the media tours that these fighters take sometimes. It's the same guys. Same interviewers. Same questions. Same everything. I don't do it that way. And maybe that's why I wasn't getting the interviews. I don't know. I don't really care. It's, it's all good. So I get where you're coming from with the Marina Morose and the, in the, in the Bilal thing. I get it. hundred percent. The one championship thing is hilarious to me because I, I do agree with you. I like that they're trying to be fun and do different things. But one championship is like when, when you're like, when you're in elementary school and you play sports and you're telling your friends about the game that you had against the other team, 
like you might have been playing a little league baseball and you hit like this little bloop over the third baseman's head and it landed on the foul line and you just happened to be hustling out of the box and turn it into a double. But then you go to school and you tell your friends that you hit a ball off the wall. Like I hit a ball that would have been a home run, but it hit the fence. When in reality, you hit the ball like 80 feet. But you tell your friends that you hit one that would have been a home run if the fence wasn't so high. That's what one championship is. They hit a ball that hit the fence. When in reality, they hit a bloop double over the third baseman's head. We, (laughs) eight kajillion people watched 1X. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And that's what gets, and that's what hurts them. It's just the inaccuracies and the lying and the inflation of statistics when it comes to people viewing the product. It's dumb. It's dumb. One could just go out and not mention that at all, and people would care more. But when you throw out stuff like that, we just look at you like, you're nuts. You're absolutely insane. And it, that shouldn't be a way for us to like watch or not watch a product, but that's what they do that just like, it's just super annoying. But we're gonna move on. I'm gonna take one more call. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get Cheyung Hawken in here to get the final word. Good morning. Good eye, mate. What's going hey, on? Yeah, uh, I just got a question about uh, my favorite division, the bantamweight division. So uh, Marlon Cheeto is fighting next against uh, one of my favorite Rob Font, and um, you know I'm just wondering. Uh, what's next for those guys? Do uh, you think if Rob Font wins again, uh, you know, uh, they'll they'll get a rematch against uh, Jose Aldo? And uh, what's going to happen after that? And uh, just keep it short like that, you know? Cool, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, that's a great fight. I can't wait for that one. April 30th, Marlon Chito Vera against New England's own Rob Font. It's a good fight. Bantamweight's super fun right now. There's a, there's a lot that could happen here. I would say the best bet, I mean, maybe Corey Sanhagen to the winner. Um, maybe Pierre Young to the winner. Maybe these, one of these guys are fighting for the chance to fight Pierre Young, which I'm down for any of those fights. And that just shows you just how good Bantamweight is right now across the board. But in the UFC, the UFC's Bantamweight division is ridiculous. Jed and I were talking about this on BTL yesterday i one of the more fascinating stories moving forward in 2022 is where Piotr jan's gonna go from this past saturday night who's he gonna fight what direction are they gonna go because you can go multiple ways with this smart money is you do cheeto versus fonts whoever wins that fight gets the Jan fight gives one of those guys a chance to get to a title fight super cool totally in on it you could maybe do TJ. I doubt that happens. But it all depends on it all depends on whether or not the UFC wants to continue this Jan Sterling storyline. My wife's waiting to go rollerblading. One minute. I'm sorry. I gotta finish this last point and then we're out of here. If they want to continue the storyline, they will do Piotr Jan versus Marab Dewalish Willie because you already have promo material for it. You have video of their backstage, little run in. You continue the storyline. If he goes out there and beats Marab, then Aljo can try to get one back for the teammate. But if you want to just get away from that altogether, give him the Font Cheeto winner. If they do Aldo Dillashaw, the loser of that fight, you want to do 
If Dillashaw gets the title fight, give him to Aldo. I, I would watch Jan Aldo for three rounds. Jan Aldo for five rounds, I always will favor Jan, but Jan Aldo for three rounds, that's a different fight. We haven't seen Jan in a three-round fight in quite some time, so that makes things really interesting. So, all right, as you know, for those who are married, happy wife, happy life, I'm getting out of here. Thank you for all the calls. Thank you for all the tremendous takes. I think we all had a, had a little bit of Friday energy today. So enjoy your weekend, everybody. Enjoy Bellator tonight. Enjoy UFC tomorrow. And we'll see you back here on Tuesday, 8 a.m. for another edition of Heck of a Morning, which I hope you all have. Thank you very much. Enjoy. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.